This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust. You're listening to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin, the Coastal Officer for the North of England, and today I'm off for a spot of swimming at Miami Beach. Unlike its name suggests, I'm not actually on a sun-kissed beach in the southern states. I'm in Shropshire. It's the middle of October and it's absolutely freezing. In the last episode, I reconnected with one of my favourite walks at Carden Mill Valley in the Shropshire Hills. While talking to the locals, I kept hearing about a part of the property that I've never been to, which is referred to as Miami Beach. Today I'm with Jodie, who's one of the Miami Beach regulars who will be keeping me safe as I dive headfirst into the wonderful world of wild swimming. They're currently protecting my modesty with a huge beach towel as I am changing into this very tight wetsuit. So Jodie, there's no sand, there's no waves and unfortunately no bikini clad beauties. So why is this place referred to as Miami Beach? It doesn't look like it now, but in summer, the crowds descend with their parasols, their lilos and their beach towels and all you can smell is suntan cream. And this place is heaving, just like Miami Beach. Unlike the real Miami Beach, this is a man-made reservoir. But it looks very natural. We've got a rocky slope down to the water. We've got a water tower that makes it look quite atmospheric. And we're surrounded by trees. It's a great spot to meet up with people. When I first started looking into the story of Miami Beach, one of the first people I met was Jules McRobbie. It's her story that really inspired me to want to come and experience Miami Beach for myself. My name's Jules McRobbie and I'm a wild swimmer. I live in Ludlow and I live with my cats. The first time I ever went to Cardin Mill was in winter. There was a moon, but we couldn't see it. Uh, it was very cloudy and the walk up there was very, very dark. And as we got to the top of the, of the stones that you climb up by the side of the reservoir apron, the moon came out from behind a cloud and it glittered on the water. And it was a very magical moment. And we were all standing on the edge, intrepid and a little bit scared. And just looking at this beautiful body of water surrounded by hills. We all have stresses in our lives and what with running my own business for a long time as a medical editor and being in a marriage with a husband with a very stressful job, it was sometimes very difficult to switch off. Because I ran my own business, there were lots of different demands to balance. I was doing my own projects and also organising projects for other people. Always trying to look ahead to find new projects for the business. And because I was working from home as well, it meant that the different stresses between the business and my home life was something that it was useful to be able to get away from. I've always ridden since I was about seven and I found it a very good way to clear my head. If I'm out on a horse, then I'm concentrating on what I'm doing with the horse. Feeling as if I was out and about on my own but also with another soul with me and whilst I'm looking around at the scenery I feel as if my brain is working out things when you've got 
away from the stable and you get out onto the open country and you get that kind of feeling of sort of excitement but you can feel the horse kind of gathering up under you but it's almost revving up revving itself up when you give a horse its head and you just let it go it feels as if you're flying it's an amazing experience at that point there's absolutely no opportunity to think about your troubles when I come back from a ride I find that I've sorted a lot of things out that were puzzles before I left it was early March. It had been a beautiful day, but it was very, very cold. And we were just doing some drills, and all of a sudden he started to buck. And I managed to stay on the first time. And then we went a few more steps, and he bucked a few more times. I managed to stay on the second time, and we got round the next corner. And he then bucked again, and I knew I wasn't going to stay on. I managed to hold on for a little while and then I felt myself losing, losing my seat and flying through the air. As I hit the ground, I heard the pop and I felt the pain. And I landed on my right shoulder and my right hip and I lay in the field. The air ambulance came and took me off down to Hereford Hospital. they agreed that I'd broken my collarbone. Although I didn't feel as if I'd done any real damage, I felt that I'd lost a lot of confidence by the accident. It felt as if life was closing in a bit. I began to think that maybe I wouldn't ride again, and I felt the loss of that, because it had always been such a big release for me. I was sent to a physio who suggested that I went to the pool as part of my physio. I didn't really like it. I didn't like the chlorine. It didn't feel clean somehow. One day I'd went, gone to the physio and he said, had I been to the pool that week? And I said, yes. And he said, really? Uh, because your, your collarbone, your shoulder doesn't seem to have improved at all this week. And it has been. And I said, no, I haven't been. I didn't like it. I had no excuse, he said. I should find myself a river and go and swim in that. When I first went to the River Lug, I was quite nervous. The water was quite deep. I got into the water and I swam upstream. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The water was clean and clear and fresh. I liked the feeling of it on my skin. It was cold, it was very, very cold, even in probably the beginning of June. The bit of river I swam in had kingfishers, there were herons, I could see trout. There were beautiful smells from the plants by the water. The sun was coming through the trees and I absolutely loved it. My swimming began to fill the same space as the horse riding had for me because it was a way of getting away from life. I found for myself away from my phone, away from my desk, away from family problems, away from the things that were inside my head, really. There's a rhythm to swimming in the same way as there's a rhythm to horse riding. There's the rhythm of your strokes. There's the rhythm of the water going over a weir. There's the feeling that you're passing through a landscape. I love that feeling of being the frog's eye view. But slowly I began to think, oh, I wonder if there are other people that do this. So we set up a group 
which would plan to swim all year, where it didn't matter what you wore, whether you were in a wetsuit or a swimsuit or no suit, whether you swam in the dark or whether you swam when it was raining, whether we swam in the snow, and we've done all those things. And that became the Shropshire Wild Swimmers and Dippers. And one of the things that I've done for several years is to run a winter swim group at Cardimore Valley in the reservoir there. And sometimes we have up to 20 people coming to swim on a Sunday morning. For us swimmers, we see it as a safe place to swim in the winter. It's always the same depth. It's always cold. We have what we call the changing room, which is a tree that we hang our clothes on. We've swum there in the depths of winter when there's been an inch of ice. We've taken hammers and ice axes up there and broken the ice to swim in it. Through swimming and running the group, I've met some amazing people. Lots of people I would never have come across in my normal walk of life. People I would never have had the opportunity to know. It's now October. The temperature of the water, I've been told, is 11 degrees. So why on earth are we going to be getting into that water? So there's something really relaxing about getting in the cold water. And at this time of year, it doesn't resemble Miami Beach. It's really quiet, it's peaceful, and we're surrounded by the trees blowing in the wind. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. I'm going to take your word for it and give it a go. You'll save me, won't you? I if will. I start to drown. Good. <laughs> This is my very first time doing any kind of wild swimming. So what are your top tips of things I should look out for? You should make sure that you're with people who can um, help you if you do get into difficulty. If you're somewhere with a current or a tide, you need to plan your swim, your exit points, and make sure you know that you can get out. You should get in gradually, let your body acclimatise. Cold water will naturally make you gasp for air. So it's important that you've got your head above the water while that's happening. Once your breathing's regulated, you can start to swim. Make sure you have some warm clothes on hand. If you do feel cold or tired in the water, then you should get out, get warm and have a hot drink. Right, now or never, shall we go? Yeah, let's do it. Fantastic. And I'm just walking to have now. Oh, I am so not wanting to do this. Oh, my first foot's in. Wow, that is um, refreshing, should we say? <laughs> That's it, I'm getting out. It's when it hits the parts of me that are a little bit more sensitive to the cold, I think the swearing's gonna come. You're doing well so far. Oh, I've got a big cold pump. <laughs> it does seem a little bit mad to be in a freezing cold reservoir. So what on earth made you get into this? It does, so I went on a yoga retreat holiday and I enjoyed swimming in the sea and in tidal pools and yeah. decided to find somewhere that I could do it locally when I get back. And that's when I found the Shropshire Wild Swimmers and Dippers Facebook group. It's kind of a social opportunity to get together with other crazy like-minded people. Which I've never enjoyed swimming in straight lines and having other people around. Barge past. Barge past. Yeah. It just doesn't appeal. For me, I can absolutely see why you would choose to do this. When you're in the water, you kind of forget all the other stuff that's going on in your life because you, all you're thinking about is 
breathing, moving, the feel of the water against your skin, the sounds around you. I can imagine it is really peaceful and relaxing. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to get away from the stresses of our modern lives, I yeah. guess. And just escape for a little bit. Yeah. So I feel like I've acclimatised. How far do you reckon we can get? Let's see. Fantastic. <laughs> So me and Jodie have got out the water, we're just having a sit down, warming up, hats and gloves. It was really exhilarating though, that while swimming, although it is exposing, it gives you a real sense of freedom, which I think you don't just get from walking by water. It's something about being on or in water. Thank you so much for being my guide today and opening up the wonderful world of wild swimming. I think it's time now to go and get properly warmed up and have some tea. Welcome, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Wild swimming has become a really important part of my life. It's the perfect, perfect hobby. I think if I were given the chance to go back and not fall off the horse and not swim, I think I'd probably still choose the fall. Hi, this is Graham Clowes, Head of Operational Risk at the National Trust. Wild swimming is a great way to engage with nature, but there are a few things you need to know before you go. We only promote wild swimming at Cardi Mill Valley. We don't encourage inland water swimming at any other site as we cannot manage safety risks. You will need to find a place where swimming is encouraged. Avoid stagnant pools or places where the water is static. This is because still water can contain concentrated agricultural chemicals washed off the land. Do not enter if there is a strong current. Avoid weirs, locks, reservoirs, or anywhere where there is a possibility of hidden underwater machinery obstructions, such as draw-off pipes, weeds or reeds. Select a place which has a generally sloping profile. This will acclimatise your body to the cold and help avoid cold water shock, which is accountable for a high proportion of drownings. And never dive or jump into open water. Wetsuits are a good idea. They help maintain your temperature and protect your skin. Water can contain rat urine, which can lead to Viles disease if it gets into a cut so cover any cuts or wounds before you go. It also goes without saying it should never swim whilst under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Start with short swims and increase length over time. Check your body for ticks and leeches afterwards. If you do have tick bites and flu-like symptoms, seek urgent medical advice. Also watch out for any rashes that might develop, particularly if they're round and resemble a bullseye. To find out more about wild swimming and enjoying it safely, go to the Royal Life Saving Society's website, rlss.org.uk. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust podcast. You can listen to all the podcast series produced by the National Trust at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really love to get your feedback. So do drop us a line at podcasts at nationaltrust.org.uk. For now, for me, Kate Martin, goodbye. This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust.